now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, Mark Larson, thank you very much. And everyone, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and it is a pleasure being with you tonight. Before we start off, as some of you know, maybe you you didn't realize it, but I was gone for a few weeks. I want to thank Stan and Wendy, and particularly Captain Ron Baker for filling in for me. What a great job they did with the show. Ron, thank you very much. You know, I think somewhere you might have a career in the radio business. <laughs> anyway, Ron, thanks a lot. You did a great job. And welcome to Ron Real Radio, everyone. It's a pleasure being with you tonight. Hey, I'm here running solo. Stan is down in Cabo San Lucas. Wendy is at the CCA meetings in Houston. She's going to be calling us at 540, not only to talk about the meetings there, but she went on a special adventure herself. Hopefully, she'll clue us in on that how, how, what happened there. But in the meantime, let me tell you what we got lined up for you tonight. I think it's going to be a great show. We're going to start off with pro bass angler Roy Hawk. Roy is calling us uh, from the U.S. Open. It's minutes before the pairings for this 3A event that start on Monday. So we're going to catch up with Roy, find out about the U.S. Open. But since we talked to Roy last, he's been doing a lot of other things. So we need to get updated on that. Wendy's going to give us a call at about 540. And then at 6 p.m., we're going to check in with private boater Billy Kellerman. Billy has been ripping him up a, a new you-know-what on the bluefin tuna out there since we last talked to him. He's a private boater. We're going to find out what the secret is, what he's been doing to get on these big fish, because even as soon as just a couple of days ago, he was catching triple digit bluefin right off our coast. And then later on in the show, recreational lobster hooper Jim Salazar is going to be with us. He's going to clue us in on how the opening of lobster season went, and fill us in on some tips that we might want to know as recreational lobster hoopers how to increase our catch. So let's get the show going. First out of the gate is going to be pro bass angler Roy Hawk calling us from Las Vegas, Nevada. Roy, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Thanks for having me. Roy, no, thanks for being with us. I know this is a big night for you because you're getting ready <laughs> for the U, uh, U.S. Open pairings, but... Before we talk about that, let me talk to you about some of the things that you have done since we last talked to you. When we last talked to you, 
you told us you were going to not let any moss grow on your north side, and indeed that has happened. You you fished the uh, Central Division of Bassmasters. You've been fishing FLW. Give us a little recap on what's been happening to you since we talked to you last. Man, it's been a it's been a busy year. You know, uh, I finished uh, approximately full schedule was about a little over forty tournaments this year. My so gosh, out of fifty two weeks, that's pretty busy. <laughs> but uh, we've been having a great time, and uh, you know, had some ups and downs, and uh, ended up doing really good in the Bassmaster Central Opens, where I was Angler of the Year. So. Really blessed to have that opportunity, and to uh, I got the elite bid, which means I've qualified for the uh, Bassmaster Elite Series. So now I have to decide if I'm going to go that route and fish that circuit. And I also uh, finished high enough in the Costa Series, the FLW Costa Series, to qualify for the FLW Pro Tour as well. So we got some decisions to make for the coming year. Um, been a really blessed and uh, and a lot of fun this year. You know, it's just been. Uh, He's been having a good time, been doing a lot of traveling with my son, Sonny, fishing a, a bunch of the events with him. He didn't fish the Bass Opens, but all the FLW stuff and, and a lot of the Wild West stuff that we did throughout the year, we got to do that together. You know, he's fishing against me now, but still, we're still a team. We help each other out and have, having a lot of fun fishing alongside him. Well, you know, uh, Roy, you are an Arizona fisherman, and you mm-hmm. chose to fish the Bassmaster Central Division. Tell us about some of the lakes that you fished, because I don't think a lot of us are familiar with those lakes. And how do they compare to some of the lakes that we fish out here, like Mead, Mojave, Havasu, Clear Lake, you know, the Delta, those compounds? You know, one of the one of the cool things is, you know, I've spent a lot of times living, a, you know, a lot of time spending uh, time at Lake Havasu. I live there now. And it, like we've talked about in the past, I mean, it's one of the most diverse fisheries that's out there and it's the number one training ground in the West United States to, to learn different patterns. There's like almost a little bit of every lake somewhere in Lake Havasu, or you could work on certain patterns that coincide with other, other bodies of water throughout the country, whether it be a river, a marsh, a lake, a natural lake, a, a reservoir, you know, and you can kind of match it up. So being, uh, living at Lake Havasu and being able to train there, you see little bits and pieces of Havasu in these other places I've gone. Um, the first uh, tournament the Bass Master Central Open was Table Rock, which I've been there a few times. It's kind of a deep, clear, rocky lake um, and a lot of docks, which I don't fish a lot of docks in general. You know, out west, got a little bit here and there, like at Clear Lake and things like that, but not a ton of docks uh, that I normally fish out west, but uh Really cool lake, and it matches up really good for the western fishermen because of the clear water. I mean, we're, they they say it's clear, but for us, it's not clear. You know, it's, <laughs> it's fairly clear, but, it, you know, you can see down, you know, 10 feet, that type of thing, which is clear for back east standards. Um, but it matches up for the western fishermen. I mean, they typically do pretty good there. Um, but beautiful lake, um, awesome fishery, and uh, had a good time there. And from there, we jumped down to the Sabine River. And the Sabine is kind of like... It's like going to the Delta your first time, you know, and it's, it's all, it's got salt water that goes up and down. It's kind of like fishing down on the Delta, but, you know, towards Frisco more because, I mean, literally, if you go 200 yards downstream, you're, you're catching flounder and stuff, you know? So it's a little bit difficult to kind of figure out like, oh, are there bass here or not? You know, and it's not a super good fishery in general anyway. And uh, so you aren't getting tons of bites, that type of stuff. You're not getting a lot of feedback. But you got to kind of figure out if you're on the right side of the planet, if you're fishing 
for redfish or bass, you know. So uh, that it that was a little bit touchy, but uh, had a good time down there. And it is similar to you know fishing the delta. You got a lot of reeds and grass and, and things like that, and you have current and tides. Um, so all that kind of played into a factor. And I did okay there. I actually did well the first day, and then not so good the second day. I ended up around fiftieth, um, which wasn't bad for that event because I guess a lot of guys, you know, the the point structure really flip flopped with that event. Guys did really horrible. You know what I mean? And so the 50th wasn't that bad. I just kind of survived that bullet. And uh, the last uh, the last term was on Grand Lake, which I'd been to one other time in the spring, and this was a fall event. So at least I had an idea of how to run around the lake, that type of stuff. So that was that was the benefit for sure. And, and I just kind of got there and got to work. And I actually had a mechanical I, – I found a couple good areas. It was real spotty fishing. Um, but I found a couple good areas and I was running from one to the other and my, my motor started making a weird sound and I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. We better just head back and like, cause the area where we launch is a big Creek and it's a really good place to fish in general. So I'm like, we'll just head back and then fish that Creek and we'll kind of fish our way to the ramp, make sure there's no problem with this thing. And, uh, I ended up getting on a stretch of bank that was really good. You know, I did decent the first day, not tremendous or anything, but I, I kind of figured out a little stretch in there that was the good spot. And the second day of the tournament, I ended up starting there. I got my motor checked out. It was nothing. And um, everything was good. It ended up being like a spark plug wire or something, you know, a 10-cent fix, you know, <laughs> type deal. But we got it We got it all handled, and I ran over to that same stretch, and I ended up catching uh, 15 pounds, which shot me up into the – I think I was third that second day going into the last day. And the last day was really brutal for a lot of guys, and myself included. And I ended up dropping to seventh, but that kept me, you know, in great points and I ended up winning the angler of the year. Um, which is a real blessing. It's, I wasn't ever even a thought really, you know, it was, it was, you know, just trying to qualify and, and for the elites and then, you know, trying to make some money along the way. I wasn't ever thinking of angler of the year, but ended up, you know, it just happened where I, I finished at the right positions on each one and ended up that way. So it just kind of fell in my favor, but you know, uh, Grand Lake itself is really cool. It's, I don't know which lake it would kind of match up in the West. It's kind of like fishing meat in a way like there's a, it's more dirty water, but it's kind of like fishing up the muddy arm, you know, where you have some clear water. And then as you travel further back into the creeks, then it's dirtier water. It's similar to that. There are lots of docks, um, but Western guys do really good. They've had like, uh, you know, federation championships and that where you draw people from all around the country. And the Western guys end up doing fairly well in that lake. It's similar to uh, an Ozark lake, like Lake Theos or Table Rock that type of stuff. It does have clear water and a lot of rocks and steep things and things like that. But it was cool. Really, really cool. A lot of fun fishing back east. I love it. And love fishing, you know, new places and learning new things. And, you know, just blessed I did I did as well as I, I did. I could have been, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum really easy. So um, just real fortunate and glad, thankful. Well, you know, Roy, uh, qualifying for the Elite Series has to be like a double-end or double-edged sword for you because <laughs> there is going to be a stepping stone for the Bassmaster Classic. But at the mm-hmm. same st- time, I know you probably have been working your way through these tournaments with your winnings, and all of a sudden this is going to be a step up in expense money for you too. So how are you going to balance this out? Well, you know, I, it, it's kind of a funny deal because 
I mean, they, you know, the tournament was last week, and I have to know, I have to give them my confirmation and my deposit um, on November 7th. And I got this tournament, and then I'll be home for a couple of days, and then I go to the Costa Series Championship. And when I get home from that, it's basically the 7th. So i got to figure it out really, really quick and see if we can come up with the, with the money. But it is quite a bit of money all until it's, you know, $75,000, yeah. you know, for the year. So, you know, it's a pretty good chunk of money, and, um, you know, we'll see how it works out. I mean... For me, I mean, the worst-case scenario is I stay out here and do what I've been doing, and you know what I mean? I'll, I'll still be able to survive and not starve to death, hopefully. So, um, But it's it's leaning towards being able to fish the elite. Um, I just got to get some more commitments from my sponsors and, and um, see if we can make it happen. It would be a lot of fun. My family's behind me on it. They're really pushing. You know, they, that's where they want me to be, and, and they're behind me 100%, and that's huge. And well, so we'll just see, you know, it's dollars and cents from there on out. So we'll see if we can make it happen. Well, Roy, I don't want to be uh, fitting one circuit against the other, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you have fished in the uh, the FLW Cup. Great achievement there. But, you know, the Bassmaster Classic, again, that's something else. Has that kind of been a dream of yours, too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, since I was a little kid, I mean, me and me – and, uh, you know, when I was younger, I, I recorded all their episodes and watched them all and had them on my VHS tapes, and I'd rewind and rewatch them. And as my kids got, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years old, we'd, we'd all go through all the old videos and watch all the new episodes. And, I mean, the classic's the pinnacle of our sport. And uh, it actually, you know, to hopefully one day I'll actually make it to it and be able to fish in it. That'd be a dream come true for sure. Man, the that was, but first you have to start off with the classic. Have you uh, with the elite series? Have you kind of taken a little look at their schedule? They posted it already, and mm-hmm. and what do you think about the the lakes that they're going to be fishing in uh, 2018? The cool thing with it, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of them on that schedule I've never been to, but I I, I have you know I'm familiar with them at least. I understand like what type of fishery they are just from you know past. Uh, you know, looking at shows and articles and things like that to some degree. I've seen them over the years of watching competitive fishing. So I kind of know, like, oh, yeah, that's a deep, clear lake or that's a muddy, you know, lake or so forth or that's a river, you know, the basic stuff. But the cool thing with their schedule is it's so diverse that there'll be opportunities to have high spots, you know, thing, areas and stuff where I could fit my strength into certain lakes and, and other ones that are going to be a challenge, you know, but it's, there's so many tournaments along their series. It's 11 events. So um, there'll be some good opportunities. And hopefully, you know, the things will line up right where I can take advantage of some of those opportunities and do good and, you know, win enough here and there to, you know, make a decent year out of it. That's what we're looking at. But, yeah, there's some that I, I've i never been there, and, and it's not my, you know, typically it's not my strength type of lake. So, um, you know, it'll be some of them that we'll just have to manage to get through and, and you never know it's fishing. I mean, sometimes you think that would probably be your worst one. You get there and you get on a little deal and you catch them, you know. It ends up being your best tournament of the year or something. You just never know. You just got to stay positive and always look for opportunities to, to capitalize on. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of great fishermen that come from your part of the world. I mean, you're looking at John Murray and Dean Rojas mm-hmm. and Clifford Perch and everything like that. Have, have you kind of gotten together or gotten any – advice from them that uh, maybe has helped you or maybe giving you some confidence that, Hey, this is going to be the way to go. Yeah, they have. I mean, they're both, they're both calling me and, and, you know, I saw John, uh, 
here at the, well, I saw both of them, Clifford and John, both here at the, the uh, sponsors row for the U.S. Open, and both of them are, like, pretty adamant. They're like, dude, you're going to do great. you got to yeah. come do it. Don't let this opportunity go. you got to do it. you got to do it. Don't say no. You know what I mean? Like, they're really adamant about it, which is really cool because they, I don't think they, you know, if they thought, like, dude, you can't handle it, I think that's what they would tell me. So to hear these guys that are successful in it, you know, saying you'll be just fine, you should do it. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. So. Hey, hey we're uh, speaking. Hopefully, we can get it would work out. We're speaking with pro angler Roy Hawk from Lake Havasu, talking a little bit about his fishing and how he's class uh, qualified for the Bassmaster Elite Series with uh, being the angler of the year in the Central Division for uh, Bassmasters. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open, but we got to take a break right now. Roy, can we? Hold you for just a little bit longer because I know you got an important meeting that starts at six o'clock. <laughs> we don't want to make you late yep. for that because I know you're no. biting at the bit. But we got to talk a little bit about that event that you're at. Can you stay with us just a little longer? Yep. absolutely. Yep, no problem. All right, you're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM five forty or at rodreelradio.com. Pro angler Roy Hawk is with us. He's going to stay with us a little longer, and there's a lot more Rod Real Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El CajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, 
Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Anglers Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. And I think we have the, uh, the next fisherman that's going to be on a box of Wheaties with us. He's a uh, pro angler from Lake Havasu, Mr. Roy Hawk. Roy, welcome back to the show, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I don't know about a box of weedies, but <laughs> sounds pretty cool. But I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, Roy. You know, I, I did mention in the beginning, but you are at the U.S. Open right now. There at the Lake Mead, you are a former champion in 2015. Tell us a little bit about how does it feel to go back uh, to this lake and and actually being one of the uh, past Open winners. Well, it's awesome, man. I mean, to to be a past winner is a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm so thankful for that. It made a huge impact on my career and gave me a lot of a lot of new opportunities and opened the door on quite a few different deals. So, really thankful to have that. Um, and man, I'll tell you what, this is going to be an awesome U.S. Open, whether I win it or not. I mean, we've got over 200 boats lined up, which is a record, I believe. I think there's 208. So, wow. I mean, that's incredible. We we have it in uh, October this year compared to September or August in the past. So the weather is absolutely gorgeous. These guys are in for a serious treat um, for U.S. Open conditions, I'll tell you. The other cool thing is scheduling in October. We've gotten a bunch of elite and FLW tour guys here this year. So, you know, it's great competition. It's great to interact with some of those guys that, you know, people don't get a chance to meet, you know, out there fishing because they're all back east, but they're here now. So we got a great interaction opportunity. The co-anglers are loving it because they don't know who they might draw Rick Klon or, you know, whoever. I mean, we got a bunch of different, you know, elite series type pros here, and it's a great opportunity for them. And uh, it's going to be really, really fun. We're going to see some, uh, you know, been out pre-fishing and talking to some guys, and there's going to be some bigger bags than we, we typically see. Uh, for the U.S. Open, I believe. I think we're going to see some around that 15, 16-pound range for single-day weight, nice. which would be really good. It'll be hard to match that up multiple days probably, um, but we're going to see some really nice fish caught. So it's it's, it's setting up really, really well. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Roy, over the years, the U.S. Open has been such an allure to fishermen from all over the country. It's on Lake right. Mead. You know, Gary Dobbins has you know, told us in the past, it's the lake that he hates to fish, but you have to go <laughs> fish there for the U.S. Open. What is the lure of fishing the U.S. Open with so many other great tournaments throughout the country? Well, it is, I mean, it's the pinnacle of the Western tournament fishing. It is, it is our big tournament for the West, and it's, a, it's the one opportunity a year for the Western angler especially to get national recognition. I mean, this is our big show. It's like the, the Bassmaster Classic of the West, basically. So it's a huge opportunity for people. I mean, people in the past that have won it in early years have made their whole career off one U.S. Open win. Um, and so it's just it's just that once-in-a-year opportunity. It's a standalone event. Anybody's welcome to come fish it. And there'll be guys that have only fished a few tournaments that throw their money in the hat and go for it. And then you have seasoned pros that, 
you know, have won it in the past and some that have never won it and that just keep trying, you know, because it's such a, it's such a unique tournament and to get a trophy out of it is, is really, really cool. So, um, and I mean, it just has its own allure for sure. Well, you know, in past years, the tournament has been an enduro, not only on the physical yeah. toll that it takes on the fishermen, but the uh, toll on gear because you're pre-fishing, you get uh, three days of official pre-fishing, and then you get a day to kind of just kind of mellow out your press day to get your thoughts together, your gear together, to get together with the sponsors. And then it's three days of intense fishing, and that, that can be tough on not only the fishermen, but also your gear. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, in the past, we've had super high winds and super high temperatures, and, uh, you know, it's brutal. I mean, one year we had, I think, eight people went to the hospital the first day, from, oh. mainly from heat exposure. I mean, that's brutal. <laughs> that's tough, man. That's definitely an endurance. You know, we don't send people to the hospital typically in, in bass tournaments. So, uh, you know, this isn't MAA fighting or anything. You know, this is, this is just fishing, you know. But it can be the, the wind, the distance that we typically travel, and uh, the high temperatures are the brutal thing with Lake Mead. And it's just strenuous. I mean, a lot of times we're throwing reaction baits, and you're chucking them running all day. It's, you know, 120 degrees, and the wind's blowing, you know, 40. So it can be bad. It can be bad. But like I said, this this year is shaping up to be very light winds, mellow temperatures, and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a whole different U.S. Open. It's going to be a treat for the guys that have experienced all the rough conditions of the past, and for the new guys, you know, like some of these Eastern pros that this is their first time fishing Lake Mead, and they're loving it. You know, they 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 really enjoy it. They love all the space that we have. We have so many miles of shoreline here, and uh, you know, a lot of the tournaments back east they're they're compacted into a small area, and uh, so this is a pleasure for them. Roy, you had you had earlier told us that you've fished uh, forty other events in this past year, which means you you probably haven't been on Lake Mead since last year or or since the last time you fished the U.S. Open. Tell us, mm-hmm. have the conditions of the lake changed a little bit? And on such a huge body of water, how do you go about uh, approaching a pre-fish on it and figuring out where you're going to fish on on a body of water that has I think it's like eleven hundred miles of shoreline. Yeah, it's incredible. It is a tough task. Uh, I actually did fish. I, I fished the Wild West Championship here. Uh, it seems like it was about a month ago, so I, I had a little bit of time to get on the water then. And uh, and it's different. The lake is actually up. We've got some water in the lake. Um, you know, it's still a hundred feet low, but it's come up quite a bit. So we got a lot of green bushes in the water, which is a oh, rarity good. to see. So. We've got uh, the grass has grown, you know, very well throughout many parts of the lake. And then we have actual green bushes, tamarisk trees and uh, some mesquite trees that are in the water. And there's little areas you can get back into. It's like jungle fishing back in there. So it's totally different that way. Um, But it's still Lake Mead. And uh, as far as, like, how to pattern out a a big lake, I mean, try and break it down into sections uh, in the beginning. You know, especially if you're not familiar with it. And then, uh, you know, cover a lot of water and try and figure out, you know, the fish generally in the backs of the coast, they on points, you know, and then try and dial it in from there, you know, depending on how many days of practice. But you want to try and fine, fine-tune it as far as you can down, you know, in the given amount of time that you do have. And, and you know, fish fast and cover water and, and move, you know, miles, you know, at a time, especially here on Lake Mead. 
that bass per mile is not very good, even when the fishing's good. You know, some lakes, it's like, you know, a good spot at Clear Lake is just two docks down. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this one's no good, this one's good, this one's no good, and this one's good. But here, you know, a good spot may be five, ten miles apart, you know, and you gotta you got to eliminate that dead water so you can run from each good spot, you know, as you work your way in your 40-mile stretch that you're going to run through the day. So... Um, it really is about covering water and then, and then, you know, retaining the knowledge you do gain as the, the days of practice go and, and, uh, then figuring out a game plan that you can utilize that information you've been given. And then yep. it too, in the tournament, you know, you got to keep pre-fishing and looking for new stuff that things change and new areas get, you know, good areas get wiped out and new areas start popping up. You got to be on top of all that stuff. Does Lake Mead lend itself to any of your strong points or your strong techniques of fishing, or are you going to maybe have to employ some things that you don't feel as comfortable about because that's what the fish are going after? A little bit, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I love throwing reaction baits and, and covering water, and I, I like to be able to pattern fish, which is a great pattern lake, you know, to where you can duplicate the same scenario throughout the lake, and you've got so many miles duplicate it within that you can kind of run you know a pattern that's useful for you but again we're we're going to be light winds i think it's calling for like four or five mile an hour tomorrow which isn't a lot of wind and on these clear water lakes like this i mean a little bit of wind and reaction bait works good no wind and reaction bait typically no good so i might have to pull out the drop shot or a little jig or that type of thing which isn't my strong suit i've won a lot of money drop shotting and uh, you know here at lake mead and other places, and then, you know, I'll throw, like, little tiny finesse jigs, that type of stuff, just downsize, fish small, fish slower in general, um, hopefully get, you know, be able to figure out something to get some bites. Do you think that uh, uh, the smallmouth are going to play more of a role in uh, bag limits and bag weights this year than it has ever had, uh, just like they are now a big part of what's happening at Lake Havasu? Uh, uh, because yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. The smallmouth were, you know, they were there, but they were pretty small. What's happening with that smallmouth population now, and will it be a factor when it comes to weighing in uh, uh, bags at the end of the day? I think, uh, you know, like you were saying, I mean, the, the smallmouth population has grown here tremendously, and they, they have them up to five pounds in here now. Okay. And you could actually potentially, you know, they have the fish here that you could win the tournament with nothing but smallmouth. You know, you're going to catch twos and then occasional three and maybe even a four and, and you do that multiple multiple days and you know you get a shot to win with all smallmouth but typically you're going to be about 50 50 you know that's what it's going to end up being is about 50 50 uh, smallmouth versus largemouth and the winning bag will probably have i'm just going to guess about three quarters and then a quarter unless it's just all largemouth if someone gets on something like say like in the back of the muddy or something like that where there just isn't any smallmouth and they get, you know, 14, 15 pounds a day, they're going to win and all be large enough. But if, uh, if that scenario doesn't happen, it'll be about three-quarters, probably about three-quarters large amount, quarters small enough on the winning bag. In your pre-fishing, your past fishing experiences there at Mead, have you found smallmouth and largemouth together, or are there particular areas where you target smallmouth and particular areas where you're targeting uh, largemouth and and then sometimes do you have to roll the dice because you go, I'm not going to get it on the smallmouth that are here, but I know, like as you said, in the muddy, there's some largemouth yeah. there, and it only takes one or two 
to make a difference. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, in, in typical U.S. Opens, you're really, you know, you get around the bait and that type of stuff, and, and you'll catch both. You know, you'll catch stripers, largemouth, and smallmouth all together. And there is scenarios like we were talking, you know, you run up to places like the Muddy, and there's a variety, you know, back in Vegas wash, you know, where you're just going to mainly get largemouth. But this year, I've definitely noticed uh, a difference. You know, I'm catching smallmouth on specific stuff, and then I'm catching largemouth on specific stuff, which, you know, makes sense typically as you go to a place that has both. But in past U.S. Opens, I found them very similar. Like in a one cove, we'll have both of them, and you could actually have them blowing up bait or chasing bait fish around both together. But right now, you're finding them in separate areas. Like one cove will just be like a, mainly a smallmouth cove. You know, and they'll be halfway back out in the cove, whereas the next one you go to, you'll find it's, you know, you catch his largemouth, and they're back in the three-quarters of the, you know, back in the cove. So it, it's different this year to where they, I think, as the, we're getting closer to kind of the, you know, late fall, winter-type movement. And these fish are thinking about winter, and I think they're grouping up per species a little bit more, and that's why we're seeing a little bit of a separation. To them, but yeah, you could you could run smallmouth stuff and just catch all smallies, and run just largemouth stuff and catch all largemouth uh, for sure right now. Well, Roy, like I said, start... I think that winning bag. My guess is that winning bag is going to be three quarters largemouth, quarter smallmouth. I think you're going to need both of them. Wow, we're certainly going to be rooting for you, Roy. But I know in order for you to get to where you are right now, you've had to have had the support of some great sponsors. Uh, you want to take this time to mention some of the people that have gotten to you, uh, gotten you where you are right now? Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, my biggest and my title sponsor is Anderson Toyota, the local Toyota dealership in Lake Havasu. They've been tremendous for me. And they not only do they support me, they support a lot of different bass fishing entities throughout the western United States. And they're one of the sponsors of the One Bass U.S. Open this year. They did all the T-shirts for them and uh so great to be a part of their organization. They've helped me out a lot um, over the last couple of years. And then Yamamoto Bates is uh, my single oldest sponsor. I've been with them for over 20 years now. So they've been, uh, you know, a huge part of my success throughout my whole career. Great to be involved with them, as always, and tremendous products. One of my newer uh, sponsors in the last couple of years is a company called Dual Realis. They're a hard bait company that have awesome, awesome uh, hard baits for salt water and for fresh water, um, and just beautiful stuff. You have to get online, check them out, Dual Realis, um, great quality stuff. Uh, they have the best hooks. There's guys that are taking dual hooks off and putting them on other baits just because they, they're so nice. But anyway, they're <laughs> uh, great, great company to work with. Had, had a great time being with their organization. Uh, Costa Fishing, uh, awesome sunglasses. I mean, everybody knows Costa. They support so many different things throughout the throughout the world, you know. Really, on all the all these different things that they help people with, and and great quality products. I mean, the best sunglasses you can buy. So great to be a part of them. Um, yeah, that's about yeah, uh, it. Uh, oh, one one other cool thing uh, is uh, I got with a guy named uh, Simon that has a rod company. He hand rolls his own blanks. And hand builds all of his rods, made in the USA, hundred percent. Wow! And the company is called Taipan Rods, and he got with me and let me design four of this series of rods. So I have my own signature little four set, and uh, great, great to do. My very first job I ever had when I was just a kid, I think I was twelve, and I worked in a rod and reel repair shop, and the guy taught me how to build rods. 
And so I've always been intrigued with rod building and stuff. And to be be a part of a guy that that's what he does and being able to help him and learn from him both and actually be right there involved in the production is really, really cool. Yeah, now, check him out. Titan Rods, Lifetime okay. Energy, great quality stuff. Out of sight. And then, now, uh, I, uh, I understand Gary Yamamoto might be fishing this. Have you... Uh, been taking a jab at one of your sponsors uh, going, uh, geez, I hope you don't mind finishing in second place, guy. No, no, no. I mean, that would be awesome for him to win. Uh, he's a great guy and, and, you know, a huge part of our sport for so many years. And, uh, you know, great to be on his team for sure. And, yeah, he's here. He's here signing autographs like crazy. He had the Sharpie out and was going for it. So uh, great to see him. I don't get a lot of opportunities to see him, but uh, great to have him here. You know, past, uh, I think he's won two U.S. Open, so he's going for his third, I believe. So it's pretty awesome. His son Derek's here as well. So should be a lot of fun. One of the great gentlemen of our sports, and, and Roy, so are you. Roy Hawk, uh, good luck in the U.S. Open. Ron Real Radio will be at the U.S. Open on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll be doing some interviews. I, I hope we get a chance to run into you, Roy, and... Even better yet, I hope we'll be doing the interview with you in the winter circle when that time comes. Well, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much, John. Tell Wendy and Stan hi, and uh, thanks for having me on again. Look forward to doing it in the near future. Wendy's on the other line waiting to come aboard from Texas, but we will pass <laughs> on your regards to both Wendy and Stan. And, and I know this is a big night for you. Thanks a lot for taking some time to be with us. Good luck, and we look forward to seeing you a couple of days there at the Lake Roy. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. God bless to all your listeners and yourself. All right. Roy Hawk calling us live from the U.S. Open in Las Vegas. Hey, we're going to take a break right now, but as I mentioned, coming up next, Wendy Toshihara. She is with us, calling us, I believe, from Houston, Texas. She's been at the National CCA meetings, and then she's had another pretty special adventure that she's gone out on. She's going to tell us all about it, but first, these commercials. We'll be back in just a minute or two. Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Kessler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can ensure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Kessler Yachts, 760-815-8866, so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. That's Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, boat California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. And again, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Hey, our next guest, normally she's on the other end of the telephones asking the questions, but now she's going to be put in the hot seat. Calling us, <laughs> I believe, from Texas at the uh, CCA meetings over there, Miss Wendy Toshahara. Wendy, how you doing, ma'am? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm not letting any grass grow under my feet. <laughs> well, Wendy, first of all, I need to thank you and I did that earlier, Stan, and especially Captain Ron, for taking over while I was uh, running about the United Kingdom. You guys did a, a great job, great shows. And I understand that much to the chagrin of one of the other co-hosts, you even had a chance to talk outside of the box a little bit about the opening of Dove Season. So you were able to cover a lot of territory while I was gone. Oh, yeah. We covered a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was old home week. You know, we haven't worked together in a long time, and we started Fish Talk Radio together, and, uh, you know, so it was kind of fun, and we missed you, and glad you had a great time in Europe. Uh, it, it was indeed, uh, but uh, let me ask you this. What, what takes you to Texas? What are you doing over there? And I don't know what you want to talk about first. What you did over there, what you're doing over there, what you're going to be doing over there, because, as you say, you've not, you've not been letting any moss grow on your north side. That's right. Well, so I, um, Merton and I came to Texas to attend the CCA national meeting, and oh. so that was uh, two days that we did. But when we were on, on the way over to Texas, I was in flight, and I received a text message through Wi-Fi, and it was Robert from CCA National asking me if I was free tonight. And so that was Thursday night. And I said, yeah, I'm free. He goes, okay, hang on a minute. And next thing you know, I'm set up to go on a pig hunt. Oh, man. Out of <laughs> so sight. The second, we got, the second we got off the plane, we checked into our hotel, grabbed our stuff, and off we went to go pig hunting. So now, what <laughs> that part was a of lot of fun. What part of Texas um, were you in, Wendy? Well, we were about an hour and a half away from Houston. Okay. A, a, a place called Van Vleck. And uh, it was really neat. We met the guy. We met Joey, our guide, over in Van Vleck at the post office. And off we went. We followed him and then jumped into his truck. And we had infrared scopes on our ARs. And we had infrared, uh, I mean, um, night vision helmets. And we were off and running. It was awesome. Wow, I, I just talked to uh, Pat Baszler, who is on his way. 
here to the West Coast. He stopped off in Texas, uh, went on a boarhout himself, pretty successful. But they were telling us that, you know, the number of wild pigs that is in Texas is just incredible. It's now, I think, uh, measured at about 19 million. And the amount of damage that they do there is just incredible. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of damage. And we did see a lot of pigs, but then the fog rolled in and then we had to quit. But, um, yeah, they're, you know, they're a big problem out here. Well, tell us, did you get lucky? And might there be some Kahlua pork in our future here? <laughs> yes, we did get lucky and uh, we got five of them. And uh, it was so much fun. We had a great time with a great guide, met a, met a new friend, made a new friend. And, uh, you know, after that, the next day we had two days' worth of meetings. And then today, Merritt and I came, we're in Seaside, Texas right now. And we fished, uh, we fished um, the surf tonight, caught some catfish. But before that, we went to a place called Sea Center. And it's in, uh, it's in Texas, um, right, right, right off the water. It's a fish hatchery, aquarium, and education center. And it's really neat because it's free to the public. And wow. it's the largest redfish hatchery in the world. And they raise and they release 23 million redfish a year. That is incredible. It, Before I ask you more about the CCA, you've actually been making your way around. Tell us, are you still seeing the effects from Hurricane Harvey that went through that area? No, we're not. We didn't go. Excuse me. We didn't go all the way to Port Aransas. Okay. And when we were there two years ago to fish the Babes on the Bay tournament, um, they got hit really hard and they lost a lot. But where we were. In Houston, they were okay. The water receded, and it was good. All right. Now, you're there for the uh, national uh, uh, CCA meetings. Uh, tell us, what is some of the focus, really, that the CCA on a national level is, is looking at? And what are some of the things that you gleaned from the representatives there from other states that uh, were there at those meetings? You know... Everyone at that meeting, they are so excited about California. California is a big deal to them, and they are so happy that we're now participating. And uh, with them, I know they all have their separate issues, but what seem to be some of the, the, the big issues that the CCA is saying, hey, this might be where we uh, want to put our focus on in the, uh, the next uh, coming seasons? Well, you know, when you when you sit in on government relation meetings and things like that, you you get to hear you know the same old stuff that we're going through as far as access and you know us being able to you know fish in or out of certain areas and it, it's it's the same thing in a different state. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we uh, we are finding it. It seems like more and more difficult to work with our politicians here because they seem to be against uh, recreational hunting and fishing and uh, access to lands where we can do that. Do you find that? To, uh, have you found that in talking with people that that's almost a commonality uh, among representatives from different states? 
I can tell you about Texas because I love Texas. <laughs> the um, Texas Fish and Wildlife gets it. They participate. They partner with CCA. They, they're they all about fishing and anglers' access, and it's, it's just amazing. I mean, this um, the Sea Center in Texas that we went to, they um, they opened it up to us. Uh, Merritt and I had a private tour, and it's it's with the Texas Parks and Wildlife, and and without the partnership with them and and the Dell Chemical Company and CCA, this center wouldn't be possible, and it wouldn't be free to everyone. Well, are are you it's talking totally about? Oh, go on, Wendy. Go ahead. Are you talking, is this center somewhat similar to what we have here with Hub Sea World, where uh, they're doing uh, white sea bass, and now they're, they're bringing on the program for the halibut? Are, are you talking about a center that's doing the same thing with redfish? Yes, but it's on a bigger scale. Wow. A much bigger scale. So, let, so when, when you talk about our white sea bass, we just had our one millionth fish released, what, two or three years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, Sea Center released releases twenty three thousand a year. I mean, uh, twenty three million a year. Wow! And you know, uh, so what are they doing over there? Obviously, uh, are are they? You know, they're they're spawning them, and then they hold them to a certain size, and then like Hub Sea World, I know they get the cooperation of of different groups to take the fish and nurture them until they get into a size that they believe can be released and sustained in a wild environment. Uh, are they working pretty much like that, or are they big enough that they can uh, handle these fish until they get a big enough size to be able to release them uh, on their own? Now, they release some when they're fingerlings, just like we do with the white sea bass. All right. And uh, I, I, I think I know the question of this answer, but you probably know, how successful has that program been? Oh, it's so successful. It's amazing here. You need, if you're ever in Texas, you, you have to see how they do it here. I mean, everything's big in Texas, and this is huge. <laughs> it's an amazing facility. All, all, all three facilities that we've visited every time we come to Texas, they, they, they're just amazing. I have well, pictures. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I took a lot of pictures. And I'm gonna put it up on my Facebook page. Um, I can post them to the Rod and Real Radio page because it's amazing. It's really. Uh, it it's huge. It's on a hu- a huge scale. You know. Hey, you know. I never asked you because last Sunday, because you had a uh, a, a trip planned. Stan had a trip planned. Uh, and everything else like that. I, did you go fishing, or was this part of the trip you were on? Um, I think it was, I don't know. I've been on so many shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, I was planning this trip, maybe. <laughs> All right, well, I know it's been a, a pretty successful season. You've gone out with Merritt, and you've gotten some pretty good fish. And And needless to say, I don't know if you've been watching at all, but the fishing off our Southern California here, Southern California coast here, has just been off the wall. I mean, the numbers that are coming in, the variety from all the landings, all the boats, no matter where they go, they're just they're just doing fantastic. 
Yeah, I, I keep up to date on that. I saw um, the O95. I saw their reports and nice big yellow tail on the tanner. Looked pretty fun. It, it is. Now, when are you going to come back and when's your next planned trip, Wendy? Well, I'll be back tomorrow night, late tomorrow night, and then next weekend is uh, opening day bird season. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, does that mean then that we're not going to have Wendy with us on Sunday? She's going to be out for another opening day? Nope, I'll be with us uh, on the air on Sunday. I'm just going to hunt Saturday. All right. Hey, uh, you know, with the season the way it's been, I know you're associated with Iserline. You sell it all over the country. Uh, it has been the hot ticket over here at Angler's Arsenal, especially the uh, the Triple X uh, putting that together. People love it. They they love the strength. They uh, they love the the abrasion resistance. Uh, they love uh, how low memory that has, and then they also like how economical it is. How has the uh, um, the inventory of Zenizer been? Have you been able to keep up with the demand this year? Oh yeah, we we planned and we forecasted for for another great year. So um, we're we're fully stocked and not going to run out. All right, Wendy. If people want to find out more about Isoline and all the uh, uh, great products that they candle, uh, 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 or not only in the line but in the uh, uh, the the rod holders and all the gear and the pliers and everything else like that. Where's the best place to go to to see the variety of items that Iserline makes available? You can check us out at Iserline.com or we have our Facebook page Iserline Fishing Products, and uh, you can see us there or message us. Um, and if you have any questions, just uh, send us an email at info at Iserline.com. Right. And I think I lost you. Are you there, John? What's that? Whoop. I lost you for a minute. Did you say oh. something? Yeah, I, I know that you're there in Texas. It sure sounds like you've been impressed with what they offer the sportsmen and the sportswomen over there with when it comes to fishing and hunting and everything else like that. Uh you're impressed with the, the way that their Department of Fish and Wildlife works with people when it comes to, you know, taking uh, a fish and uh, uh, having programs where they can propagate them. We know what they do with big bass. Uh, they hold big bass. They, they give people uh, replicas of their, their fish and everything. they got all kinds of great programs. Uh, um, just what seems to separate them from what we're seeing in other, other uh uh, state just briefly what what's the difference they get it <laughs> they they fish and they hunt too they totally get it and and uh, they're for for access for fishermen and for, and for hunters it's amazing it's it, it's how it how we used to be how we used to be how everyone yeah. thought california used to be that is what uh, texas uh, has evolved with and that's what's uh, making them, uh, you know, so attractive to so many Californians, not only uh, residents but companies that are coming to Texas, that Texas is actively recruiting to come to the state because of some of these amenities that they offer. That's right, yeah. Well, Wendy, I hope, we don't, lose, I hope we don't lose you. 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I'm pretty, I like it a lot here. <laughs> but you know what? Southern California is awesome. The weather is great. The taxes are too high. And things are too expensive. And, yeah, all that stuff. But you can't beat the weather. Yeah, and at 84 years old, Diane Feinstein just announced she's going to run for Senate again. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she needs never mind. <laughs> anyway, well, Wendy, hey, thanks for taking some time to be with us. I, I hope you continue this great adventure that you're on, and we look forward to talking to you well, uh, You know, next Sunday night uh, when you get on back. You just have uh, safe travel, and uh, uh, we'll be talking to you, I know, during the week. All righty. Thank you, John. Thanks for calling in, and again, thanks for filling in for me when I was gone. Oh, sure thing. All right. Have a nice rest of the show. All right. Thanks, Wendy. Hey, that's it for Thank the first you. hour of Rod and Reel Radio, but coming up, there's still plenty of Rod and Reel Radio to come. Private boat owner and fisherman Billy Kelman, he's going to be with us to talk about the absolute fantastic season that he's had as a private boater. Jim Salazar is scheduled to come up later on. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El CajonFord.com. He's not just my fishing buddy. After 30 years, he's a brother, and I'd sure hate to lose him. His bass boat's got nothing to do with it. So I make sure both of us wear a life jacket. Save the ones you love, even if they don't own a fancy boat. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners. Be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen, including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of Inside Sport Fishing, Marine Traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words Code Group in the App Store on your smartphone. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. 
Southern California. Welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Whoop, boy, and uh, you know uh, what I want to do is I want to welcome our next guest. But uh, Jorge, I don't know, was that a disconnect signal we got from him? All right. Hey, uh, you know it has been a great year for fishing here in our Southern California waters. I know you all know that. Uh, you've been going out on the sports boats and everything like that, the private charters. We talked with Wendy a little bit earlier. We've got the reports from the landing. There's a great mix of fish out there. But particularly, if you are a recreational boater, you've had the opportunity to go out and catch the fish of the lifetime, the type of fish that you can only catch on the multi-day long-range boats. I mean, going down to the East Cape and uh, to a lot of the islands and the, the reefs that are up there where the fish are... Uh, you know, it's, you know, phenomenal, but we've been seeing that fishing right off our coast. And, uh, I've invited, uh, aboard with us tonight, one of those private boaters to talk a little bit about what he's been doing, the techniques that he's been involved, what kind of dedication it has take to go out consistently and catch triple digit fish because, this is the guy that's been doing it, and uh, I hope we can have him on. Uh, have we been able to make contact with Billy yet, Jorge? Yeah. All right. right hey, let me let me yeah let me introduce to our listening audience, uh, private boater and uh, man, uh, big fish slayer himself, Billy Kellerman. Billy, welcome to the show, guy. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing today? Billy, we are doing well. Stan and Wendy are off tonight, so it's just me. I, I, I want to thank you for peeling yourself off the water in order to be with us because I don't know anyone that has been more dedicated than going out and trying to catch some of these tremendous fish and taking advantage of these opportunities that we have in our local waters like you have. You know, and, and that, that was my whole goal. I mean, from last year to this year, if these big bluefin are going to be around, I'm really going to be dedicated and, and focus my, my uh, fishing towards these big bluefin because we don't know when they're going to leave. We don't know if we're going to have another shot of these fish. But what we do know is it's fish of a lifetime. It's in our backyard, and it's completely doable in, in, a, private, in a private boat. Now, Billy, a lot of our listening audience, they may not be familiar with you or they may not be following you on, on Facebook or anything like that. They go, where, where does this guy come from? I know there, I hear about this guy that's going on out and making these tremendous catches of fish, but, you know, I just thought that, you know, that was maybe folklore or, or talking in generalities. You've been the guy that's been doing it. Just give us, a, again, for those people that weren't with us the last time you were on this, a little bit about your background and how you evolved your fishing technique to what you're doing now and and the equipment that you're using and everything like that. Okay, well, I'll start off a little bit by my background. I mean, I've always been fishing in Southern California for, for most of my life, a few periods of uh, inconsistency, but for the last, you know, three years, I've been back on it um, very consistent. Um, I recently purchased a Parker 2320. Um, it's a 23 foot, uh, pilot house, which, which I think is the perfect size for Southern California. It's easy to trailer, has a, a long range that, that you can uh, travel to plenty of fuel, 
uh, open deck space and just a, a fish killing platform. And I was able to get that about two years ago now. And um, you can find me on my Instagram page, which is Billy K Fitness. Um, I do a lot of uh, fitness nutrition stuff, and that's what I do for my main uh, primary source of income. You can find me on YouTube, or you'll see more of my fishing adventures and videos of that sort. And you can look me up as uh, Billy K Fitness or Billy Kellerman. Same thing on Facebook, uh, Billy Kellerman as well. I'm, I'm relatively pretty easy to find. Well, if I could find you, I know everybody that's listening to us out there can do that. Now, finding you, getting a hold of you is different because what you're doing in the fitness business and then using your discretionary time to go out there and get after these fish. Uh, again, and I've used this uh, cliche before, you're just not, le- you're not letting any moss grow on your north side right now. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, these, these big fish, they're, it's, it's a constant change. And what I've learned in, in entrepreneurship, just like life, is that um, you, know, you have to be able to learn how to, how to adapt. Um, these fish are always changing and biting different things. I mean, just to give you an example, one of my trips last week, and this just happened maybe this past Thursday or, or Wednesday. I don't know, my dates are a little off. But um, I was going to head over to San Clemente Island. Um, a few days previous, I had found some bluefin tuna in the, I would say, 25 to 50-pound range, and there were just schools and schools and schools of them. Um, I was the only private boat out there, and there was one San Diego boat, you know, surprisingly. We didn't have any more bait, um, so I knew where they were, and then I thought I'd come back a few days later with bait. And uh, I talked to one of my friends, and he told me that the fish had been biting on 25-pound test. So lo and behold, we all rig up for 25-pound test and get ready for them. And uh, got to the ground, started metering some fish, and, uh, you know, we got bit instantly. But this time around, we lost our first eight fish in a row. And it was just very odd, you know, to be able to hook up, you know, maybe a five, six-second run, and then, pow, just line, line breaks. The next, the next one, we kind of back up on the drag and then, you know, kind of play nicer and still couldn't get that one. And then we started bumping up the line size. And until we got up to 50-pound test, we finally landed the first one, and it taped out right around, like, 114. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're fishing for, my goal was 20 to 50-pound to bluefin. You know, it would be really nice if I can get a 50-pounder. But now, all of a sudden, these big 100-pounders are here. So we all change out our gear to your big, you know, Talica 20, Talica 25, all big gear stuff, fly-lining sardines and catching 100-pound tuna. So uh, for our time of, like, 9 a.m. till about 2 p.m., we ended up landing four over 100 pounds. Our biggest one was right around, like, 145 pounds. And we landed two more that was right around the 60-pound and the 90-pound range. Oh, and mind yeah. you, this is just for four guys. This is four guys, you know, fishing San Clemente Island, uh, October, you know, expecting to catch smallest fish, and we run into this wide-open action. I mean, we lost more than double that. Um, we got taxed by the tax man. I got some really cool uh, footage coming out pretty soon here. One of the, the footage, um, I stuck my camera when the fish was doing the deep color thing in their circle, Mm-hmm. And then in the video, you can see the hammerhead approach the fish and eventually take it away from us. Oh. Now, Billy, uh, this year in particular, you've been able to, you know, just go out there with great consistency from when this bite started to where it's still being. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the evolution on, on how, you know, 
catching these fish evolved, or were you finding that you're catching them the same way in May that you are catching them now? Um, with bluefin, the one thing that you you can know about bluefin is that they're they're never consistent. You know, things are always changing. I would say my first bluefin this year was probably sometime in May, and uh, we were using poppers and we caught a few on poppers. I was expecting a, a big popping season just like last year with all those, you know, foaming bluefin, but that was mm-hmm. quite the opposite for this year. Um, even in May, I got my first kite fish. So what you have to bring in terms of gear nowadays is everything from that 25-pound test to the 40-pound, the 50-pound, the 100-pound flat fall, the popping rig, and then now you, you have to bring your kite gear. And um, lately, there's been some days with very low wind, which makes kite gear even more complicated with, you know, helium balloons and different kind of strategies and methods to, to be able to adapt to it. Wow. Now, have you been keeping tabs of just exactly what your catch has been? Is there any way you can relate to us about, uh, you know, how many fish you have caught and what pound class uh, uh, since the beginning of May? Um. For this year, I kind of stopped counting after 37, 38 big ones. Um, what do you consider a big one, Billy? A uh, big one is over 100 pounds. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, over 100 pounds. I would say maybe 10 or 12 in the 200-pound range and one in the and one in the 300. Wow. And uh, mind you, by all means, most of the stuff is all taped and, and guessed. Um, I never really took time to, to go scale it. If it's not going to be over 400, then I'm, I'm just not going to, you know, it, it's all for fun for me anyways, you know. <laughs> that, that is. And, and uh, you know, tell us uh, uh, some of the methods that have been just working uh, well for you. You know, I mean, there are so many things out there. You mentioned poppers. But guys have been doing flat falls. All of a sudden, snipers seem to be working really well. Are you catching any fish uh, trolling? Uh, uh, and what have you been finding that's been happening with the bluefin population that's now in our waters? Uh, the yellowfin. I find out the, oh, the yellowfin. I mean, we, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I've actually never posted any of my yellowfin trips yet from this year, and it's been <laughs> limits like every single time. I just... I, try not to post too much so if people are going to think I fish every day, which is pretty close. Um, but so, so what I notice is, you know, for the past two to three weeks, I mean, still, I, I think the kite has been more, has been the most consistent second to the kite, uh, would be probably the flat fall, but the flat fall bite, you know, the downfall is you have to get there way early in the morning and then stay really late. And on Sundays, I just, I don't want to be on the water that long per se, you know, um, now, are you taking yeah, flat fall? Kite. You're, let me ask you, stop you here just a minute and talk about the flat falls. There's, there's been a lot of people who are saying, geez, you just can't take the flat fall out of the box because of the way the hooks are lined up, uh, uh, they're going to get cut off and you're going to, the fish is going to break your heart. Have you been doing anything special to your flat falls to help uh, you know, increase your hookup and your catch rate? You know, so... You know, that, that's a very popular question that I get all the time. Um, me, personally, I've only got maybe like two flatfall fish this year. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty tiring method. I just take them out of the package. But on the same note, my biggest flatfall fish is maybe like 130 pounds. Um, I have seen 
pictures that are sent to me of fish that chew through that factory little wire thing, you know, or the little yarn-like sure. spectra um, line. Yeah, so for me personally, I haven't caught any of those, you know, big 250, 260-pounders. I, mean, I know, uh, like, uh, Jeff Marks on the Thunderbird, they're really successful with, with one of their rigs, and it's got, like, multiple hooks on it and, you know, big, heavy 100-pound leader, and they've gotten fish over 200 pounds on it, you know. Um, so, again, for me, I can't speak on too much of that, but personally, I just fish them straight out of the, out of the package. Okay. And then, you know, this seems to be a, a season, you know, we, we've been talking about fishing the yummy flyers, but also now I hear a lot of fishermen, there's been abundance of flying fish in the water, and they're actually going out and catching flying fish and using the flying fish as they would a yummy flyer. Have, have you been doing that at all? I have not got the chance to do that. Um, I know that, I believe it was Melton that started to sell frozen flying fish. And uh, I forgot which boat it was, but they posted a video of a flying fish, a dead one, you know, rigged on a balloon with a camera. I, I don't know if you saw that footage, but, you know, the, the yummy, I mean, the dead flying fish just sitting on top of the water with the camera pointed down, and you see the bluefin come up and, and inhale that thing. Wow. Um, I just haven't had the chance to do that yet, um, but I have heard, you know, other guys doing that. Right. You know, it's kind of tough sometimes, you know, when you're out there and, and you see, you know, other boats trolling around and, and they get stopped and they get hooked up, you know, and, you know, sometimes you don't know whether, you know, should you keep on trolling the yummy? Should you change your method? Should you, you know, drift the balloon? It, it kind of, you know, eventually you got to stick to your guns and just follow your plan. You know, Billy, one of the things I've marveled at is knowing that you are just an everyday fisherman. You, you don't have your boat docked up somewhere. You're not a charter boat captain or anything else like that. You've got a group of friends that you, you know, that you rely on and, and that, you know, everyone knows their task when you get on boat. But you are trailering your boat every time you get in the water from home into the water, launching just like, uh, you know, 99% of the private boaters over here. Yet you're going out and it looks like you're finding pretty good success. All right, Jorge, did I lose uh, Billy, or am I offline? Okay. Uh, I cannot hear him. Uh, Billy, are you there? All right. Hey, it looks like uh, uh, for some reason I've uh, become disconnected with uh, Billy. We're going to try and reconnect with him. Jorge, if you will, it's time for a commercial break. Let's try and... Uh, figure out what's happening over here and while we'll do that we'll go to a commercial break and we'll try and reconnect with our uh, 6 p.m. guest Billy Kellerman uh, a private boater that has had phenomenal sex uh, sex <laughs> that's a good one I'll have to put that one in the archives that has phenomenal success fishing bluefin tuna and and we're going to be talking about other species so stay tuned there's still more Ron Real Radio to come after these following messages. I like rafting. I love whitewater. 
But I never forget that snowmelt in the river can cause cold water shock. I wear a life jacket always. Anyone with me has got to do the same. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, welcome back to Rod Real Radio. I think uh, Jorge has reconnected with our guest, Billy Kellerman. Billy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. Hey, thank you. Billy, uh, before uh, we lost connection with you and everything like that, uh, I was talking about, you know, you're just uh, like 99% of the everyday uh, uh, private boaters, you you're not berthed. You're you're not a charter boat captain. I don't believe uh, you have a group of friends that uh, you go on out with, and I know you rotate those around, and everyone knows what the chore is. Are there some uh, tips and messages that you can give some of the private boaters that are out there that might be able to help them uh, be more successful in their catch? You know, actually, um, that's that's probably one of my next business ventures coming out pretty soon here. It's going to be Billy K Fitness. I mean, BillyKFishing.com, and uh, what it is is it's a service I can be able to help people privately as well as uh, a video library of all my tactics and techniques on how tos and and uh, whatnot, and to be able to help private boaters or other fishermen um, looking to find out more information, uh, where I catch my fish, what time, my baits, my strategies, and whatever help that they need with. And that's going to be rolling out pretty soon here, and that's going to be a BillyKFishing.com. Um, I, I, Go on. Yeah, I, I most likely will not be doing charters. It's kind of not, not my thing, not my area of interest for now, you know. But uh, I do really enjoy helping others learn about this fishery, being able to uh, catch more fish and be more successful in our fishing. You know, Billy, in talking with other private boaters, and and not that you have been the all-seeing, the all-knowing, the all uh, doing guru of fishing, but you've seen, it seems like a good amount of success. You talk to other skippers and other captains. I know you share your information. Uh, they ask, you know, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Is, is there a commonality or a common thread in talking with these individuals that you're finding that, uh, hey, there's a couple of things that you might be doing 
that uh, might increase your catch rate? That's an absolutely great question. Um, you know, the guys I have um, set up in terms of the gear and tackle and even just the rigging on the Yummy itself, I find it to be very important. Um, from line size to how you even set up your Yummy, if you're not setting it up correctly, you're going to have issues with adjusting your Yummy, whether you're turning or whether you're going straight. Or, you know, people ask all the time, how far do you set it back? It doesn't matter if you put it close to your wake or away from your wake. Um, what do you do when you start metering fish? You know, like, do you keep on going forward? Do you turn? Do you stop and set up? So I guess some of my, my, my best advice first is that use proper gear. Have a nice, you know, kite rod. Um, have a nice, uh, you know, dedicated yummy rod, you know, like a big heavy gear. I mean, having the right gear is, all, is already half the battle. Uh, for me personally, um, I use a Talica 50. I use straight spectra all the way to the brim. It holds about 950 to 975 yards of 150-pound regular Power Pro spectra, and I tie it to a barrel swivel that is connected to a 400-pound leader, and it's about, I'll say, four feet long, and that's connected to the Yummy. Um, I do like running the Yummy with trouble hook stinger, um, but, again, a lot of my success has been on a single hook. I would say, for the most part, I, I, I have my confidence in the, uh, the treble rig. Um, and I think just the ability to be open and learn. You know, I'm, I'm always a student of the sea. I know that my way is not the only way, but I know that my way has been extremely productive and even showing other private boaters on their boats and consistently you know, landing fish. Um, so little things like that tackle first, and then the uh, next part is just being in the right zone, um, trolling at the right speed, um, depending on how the fish are reacting to the bait. And I think one key thing I also do, too, is if I start metering fish in a, in a small area, I'll just keep on making circles in that area as opposed to going one direction for, you know, miles and miles and miles, you know. But I, I will continue to attack one school, and eventually, you know, it gets them to bite. So then, oh, and, and obviously... One, one last thing. Yes. Uh, sorry about it. one last thing. Yes, and uh, go ahead. you got to be dedicated, okay? If, if your plan is to fly the kite with your friends and catch a big one, stick to it. I don't care if the fish are foaming all over, which I have video of, and we'll still troll right by them and eventually try to get that yummy right in front of their face, and we, we still get bit. But kind of stick to a plan and stay till dark. I can't tell you how many fourth-quarter bites I've had this year. Well, so I think most of the time people are relieving early. So, Billy, even with doing all this stuff, there are times that uh, you've gone out and uh, you've come back with empty fish bags because of the, the nature of the fishing. Yeah, it does happen. I'm, I'm human. You know, there, <laughs> there are several days of, of skunk, you know, long, endless hours of staring at that yummy, you know. Um, with these bluefin, a lot of times it's very time-sensitive, whether it's the slack tide, whether it's the evening bite. I mean, there are days I don't leave the dock until 1 p.m because I know it's an afternoon bite. So I don't want to go out there early in the morning and then troll that thing at the wrong time, and then you end up getting all burned out. But when it's time that it's, it's bite time, you know, people are already packing and going home. I can't tell me how many times I've talked to other private boaters where I stayed and I hooked up when they just left, you know. Now, Billy, you know, we've talked about a lot of technique. We've talked a little bit about gear and, and the equipment that you're using in the boat, but it sounds like you also put a lot of stock in Billy Kellerman fitness and actually being physically ready to go out there and do this. I mean, you, 
you know, it takes a certain amount out of you to go out there for an entire weekend or three days or whatever it is and pursue these fish like you're doing it. How important is the fitness part? You know, I mean, being healthy and fit definitely has a huge, um, you know, it definitely helps a lot in these battles. But ironically enough, I really enjoy watching my friends, you know, get a chance at some of these bigger fish. And a lot of times, yeah, I would say still most of the fish that I catch is caught on the bent bent where we do keep it in the rod holder. So it's a much more efficient way to, to bring in the fish. It may not be as fun um, in terms of, like, pulling up and down and whatnot, but sometimes we're in some pretty snotty weather. And on a parker, we kind of sit a little bit low to the water. But the bed butts help tremendously. And my average fight time is only, at most, maybe 35, 40 minutes. I've only had two fights go over one hour out of 30-plus fish, and it's all short fights. Mm. Now, now tell me, you kind of teased us a little bit. We've been talking about bluefin, but you also have had some experience with the yellowfin that are out there. Yeah, just last week, uh, we went out of Dana Point and um, working our way down south and uh, found a nice school right below the 182 and a one-stop shop, five guys, 50 yellowfin tuna, and go home. And then... Uh, Two days after that, you know, took my boat, went again, and then uh, we ended up with, like, 40 that day, so limits again. Um, you know, this year's been a phenomenal Dorado season as well. Um, I did a few trips with those and full limits on Dorado and Yellowtail. There's a smaller Yellowtail, but at least at least they're out there. But even still, San Diego has been providing some very great fishing time of year, especially in October. So Yellowtail tuna stuff is still going on, um, you know, as close as the 425 to the 101 area. Um, very friendly for private boaters. You know, very, very easy fishing as opposed to some of this bluefin stuff. So they're still going strong. They're, they're still there. Um, I don't know what to say. A, a stellar year. Billy, uh, in, in planning your trip, how do you plan where you're going to go? Are there regular spots that you believe that you're always going to find fish? Or are you looking at things like uh, terrafin maps, uh, the uh, uh, the temperature of the water, uh, are you using uh, uh, some of the services out there that you get feedback from some of the other fishermen, you're looking at bloody decks or whatever it is. How do you put yourself a trip together where you know how to go or do you feel confident that, hey, you know where they're going to hang out and that you feel confident in your abilities to go out there and find them? I, I definitely think it's a little bit of both. Uh, both over experience. But I would say, you know, as a private boater, I know some captains in the industry don't like fish dope, but as a private boater and as a fisherman, I find it to be such a great tool. They have an interactive map that allows you to kind of like track fish where they've been caught. Um, I, I contribute to that site, so there's a lot of good info on there. Um, there's, uh, you know, SST charts. So I do look up, you know, the, the weather, the charts. Um, and then I, I also have my... Uh, Obviously, my, my group of guys that constantly fish and we kind of share information with, you know, and I find that to, to be very crucial, too, because it's always a good help of, you know, where they caught fish the day before, and then you can kind of, you know, pinpoint it down and narrow down an area for the following day of fishing. Hmm. And that's, that's basically how I go about my planning. You know, a, a lot of the fishermen, they'll look up and they say, I'm not going to go out because of the fact that uh, the tide is this or the, the moon is this or whatever it is. If you find that you're free to go out and have a weekend to do that, you go out despite that, or are there some of these factors that 
you take into effect and maybe even using the sole lunar tables? You know, this is always, gosh, asking such a great question. Um, really, really important questions. I, I understand this whole moon phase thing, logic, and all that good stuff, and three days before and all that jazz, but I personally never followed that moon stuff with this blue fin. What I can tell you is that they're very unpredictable. Um, previous two full moon cycles, the bite shuts off on the full moon. And then, you know, you take last week where I had the most phenomenal sardine fly line fishing for 100-pound tuna on that full moon, and that just throws everything out the window. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I talk to Mark Wish all the time, and, and he definitely helps me out a lot over at Pacific Edge Tackle on Huntington Beach. Sure. And, uh, you know, he, he tracks that stuff pretty well, and, and he's got a wealth of knowledge that is uncomparable to me. But I, I learn a lot, and I should be tracking moon stuff, but I'm, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I just go, you know, I mean, I just go when I can. Okay. And the fish that you've been seeing, especially here from May, I mean, are you fishing still the main, the same biomass of fish? Are, are these fish going from, uh, you know, the, the 42 to San Clemente Island and coming around and, you know, the Nine Mile Bank? And are they staying all in this group? Or do you think this is a continual succession of new fish that are coming through our area, going from point A to point B, and we might not see them again for another couple of years? You know, I, I think there are different batches of fish. You know, um, I, I hear fish, you know, popping up in different areas all the time, even though someone may have caught one where I caught one yesterday. So it tells me that, you know, there, there's probably different groups roaming around. I mean, I just posted last week, I saw that group of 25 to 50 pounders. I mean, I saw thousands and thousands and, and fields of them. But yet, when I went back a few days later, they were nowhere to be found and were placed with, you know, over 100 pounders. So I don't know where that other school went, but eventually it's going to bite somewhere, you know. Um, you know, one of my best days of bluefin fishing was actually last year, I would say late November, when uh, we ran out to the Tanner Bank, and the fish had moved out there, you know, near the end of the season, and it went wide open from 8.30 p.m. till midnight. Wow. And, uh, yeah, first time in the dark fishing, you know, live squid, bait fish, we, we had maybe, we had you know, limits for five guys, so we had 10 fish. I think four of those were over 100, and the other ones were all like that 60 to 90-pound range. And, and that was in the dark, on bait, in Tanner. So we really don't know what's going to happen for the rest of this year. I mean, things are still looking pretty good. I know guys are still getting some bluefin. It's, it's definitely, you know, winding down and, and getting a little bit tougher. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But should you have the chance, there's still a shot that you can get a fish of a lifetime right now. Yeah, uh uh, going into last season, uh, it seemed like for the past few years, starting in 2014, where we first found that there were some of these bluefin here, they were on the Tanner Bank. And do you think as as the weather comes down from the north and we get the, uh, these more unfavorable conditions that the, the fish go down or go away and just don't come back? Or do you think this body of fish is staying around because this is where the food is right now? You know, just to make things a little more confusing, uh, I've been in areas that have no food, and there's a lot of fish. And, you know, the, the saying of, you know, they're never far from the kitchen is true, but then there's many times where I find them where there's not much bait, you know, which th throws everything off. 
Um, I, I don't have a clear answer if we're going to get this next year. You know, I know that last year I, I set up a bunch of guys with, you know, pop-up gear, I mean, spinning gear, sellers, all that stuff. And that never happened this year. You know, I mean, last year I had two kite fish. This year I'm over 30 kite fish. Um, I remember last year someone was talking about, hey, maybe we're going to break 300. And holy moly, this year we're almost at 400. So maybe next year that 400-pounder is going to come. I, I, I think so. I think that 400 will come next year. Maybe someone's already had it on and unfortunately never landed it because there's a lot of reports, and I know even with the sports fishing boats, they might hook up uh, 70, 80 fish and only bring in 20, 25 fish because they've been outgunned. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, even for myself, who who is semi experience these fish just put everything to the test your knots your gear your ability to move when the fish moves you know your ability to pull as hard as you can when that shark comes you know we have that big shark problem and seal problem on the last trip so you, you gotta you gotta be quick on your feet you, you gotta be ready to pull hard and, and you know it's, it's the fight of your life it, it's, it's incredible you know that every every fish is different there's no two fish that fight the same and I guess as fishermen, that's what we're so hungry for. And Billy, one last question before we leave, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time that you've spent with us. With all these fish that we're catching and everything, how about the safety of the fish? I mean, uh, is this meat glowing in the dark? Is it laden with mercury? Uh, uh, what is your take on uh, what's happening with uh, uh, this particular you know, sustainable biomass that we've got right now? You know, I, I think I'm seeing way more fish than, than what people are actually catching. You know, I mean, I have a couple of spear diving friends that have sent me pictures, too, and you, you see a school of thousands, but yet, you know, from a day of fishing, I've heard of maybe like 15 or 20 fish caught. Yeah. So I think that the mass is still there. We, I, I don't think we've really, like, perfected a certain way that catches them more than another way. We do know that that kite's been very effective. But on the same note, I mean, at most, you, you may get, two, three kite fish, but that's only two or three, you know. So it's not like we're slaughtering, you know, hundreds and thousands by the day. But mm. I think sustainability-wise, you know, they're going to be here. But in terms of eating, um, no problems yet. I mean, I, I've been eating quite a bit of it. I honestly give away pretty much all my fish, um, and no one's had any health issues or concerns or anything like that yet. All right. Know. Well, Billy, I know I'm following you on Facebook, but... If people want to follow you with regards to your fishing exploits, or if they want to get a hold of you when it comes to Billy Kellerman fitness, because they think, you know, in this off-season, I might just want to shape up a little bit in order to be ready for these fish next season. How's the best way to go about doing it? Yeah, the best way is probably, uh, I would say, through my through my Instagram or uh, Facebook, um, Billy at Billy K Fitness dot com is my email it's a really easy to remember um I, I noticed that on my instagram i do post a lot of stories which means that my current fishing day my current fishing reports are in the story section um mm -hmm. so if you always want to be up to date and know what i'm doing and, and seeing what i'm seeing out there be sure to follow me on uh billykfitness.com on instagram and um soon enough billykfishing.com will be out as well so i can uh, further help you guys uh, plan your trips get your gear ready and uh be really in the know of where these fish are. Yeah, uh, you know, you people out there, uh, you want to follow Billy because uh, 
It's exciting. He's very generous with his information and explaining what he's doing and everything. A lot of fun. But more importantly, the success that you've seen is, is just the icing on the cake. Just a great fish that you've had. And, Billy, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us to relate your stories and being as generous with us with your fishing information as you had. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And maybe as we get further into this winter, if I can ask you to come on back and we can see how this ever-changing scene has evolved and you can give us your opinions and maybe help some of the fishermen out there. I, I can't thank you enough for being with us, sir. Not far off. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, soon enough, BillyKingFishing.com will, will be available. All right, Billy. That's Billy Kellman, a recreational angler and very successful with the bluefin tuna this year. Hey, we're going to take a part of the break right now. And coming up after Billy here, we have uh, Jim Salazar, recreational lobster hooper. We're going to talk a little bit about the 2017 season, how good it has or hasn't been and maybe go over some of the tips that you might want to use for being a better recreational lobster hooper. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California, boat California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program it is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. If you want to listen to any of those shows that... Uh, Came off uh, while I was gone in the to the United Kingdom. Captain Ron Baker with Stan and Wendy had some great shows. Just go to RodReelRadio.com. The 
They're on the archives. We also had a best of show. Uh, I uh, I believe we pay, played a uh, a show that we did about the Salton Sea and what was happening over there. Really great information over there, especially for you, a lot of you people that remember what a tremendous fishery the Salton Sea and what it has become and where it's going. So go to rodandreelradio.com. Not only the archive page there, but a lot of things you might be interested in what's happening in the fishing community. Well, one of the things that's happening in the fishing community right now is recreational lobster hooping, and it happened to sneak up on us while I was away, but who better to tell us how the season is going than our expert in this field, Mr. Jim Salazar. Jim, welcome to Rod and Real Radio, sir. Thank you, John, Stan, and Wendy. How are you guys doing? It's just John. Wendy is in Houston right now. Stan's in Cabo San Lucas. And I'm in the Palatial Anglers Arsenal Studios here in La Mesa. So Jim, you're holding so down the fort today. Holding down the fort, yeah. Hey, well, you know, I in the United Kingdom, I was able to stay on Facebook and follow what was happening with uh, not only the fishing in our area, but also the recreational hooping and Jim, it seems from all aspects, from what I could see, it seems like the opening couple of weeks have, were a little more successful than we've seen at least last year and maybe even the past couple of seasons. Yeah, it seems like it's more of a typical type of a, of a year. You know, we, had a, we didn't have those super warm El Nino waters this year. I mean, it was warm, but it wasn't like you know, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't seen a lot of crabs, which is odd. Um, red and the yellow crabs. I'm seeing more spider crabs, but uh, as far as the lobsters go, yeah, they seem to be in shallow. It seems more like a typical kind of a beginning. I mean, there's a few guys who are getting them in about 80 feet or so, but for the most part, most of the guys are hitting the break walls and hitting the shallow spots, hitting the, the kelp along PV and Zuniga Jetty and those kind of places, and, and seem to be doing really well. Matter, matter of fact, Zuniga Jetty is really rebounded this year, and I'm not sure if it's because of the water temperatures or if it's because of the lack of pressure because Shelter Island uh, launch ramp shut down. You know, that could be part of it. Uh, I was at the Outboard Boating Club uh, actually today for a memorial of one of our members that had passed away. It looks like the progress there on the on the launch ramp is going at a snail's pace. And even though they're anticipating opening that up in May of 2018, you look at it now and you scratch your head and you go, man, there's a lot that has to be done between now and May. But one of the things we noticed, there is a preponderance of lack of traffic on um, San Diego Bay right now. So it seems like if you can get in the water and if you can fish, it's probably a great time to do it. It's such a perfect place. I mean, yeah, they have such great tidal movement. There's so much structure. There's a lot, a lot of structure. And, and you know, it, it's, it's time that it rebounded because, you know, it's been a very successful fishery in the past. And on top of it all, it's close to the commercial fishery. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have your San Diego Bay, Santa Monica Bay, you have uh, front side of Catalina and the San Pedro Long Beach uh, break walls, uh, the inside harbor part. And all those places always appear in the top ten um, of our you know, DFW catch that, that uh, they, they list every year. So those now, are really the places for us to go. You know? now, now, Jim, we've talked to you several years. You're on the uh, staff for Promar, which makes uh, uh, some of the best hoops that are out there on the market. But a question I get asked all the time, 
you get the typical round ring type of hoops or the Portuguese type of hoop. And then recently, not recently, but over the years, it's evolved into this, the volcano or the conical hoop. Are there applications or times that are better or more advantageous to use one type of a net over another? Yeah, those flat uh, flat classical style nets or Portuguese style nets, as you call them, um, are still very, very popular down in San Diego, probably the more popular down there than anywhere else on the coast. And a lot of it has to do with how shallow that they hoop in that, uh, in that area. Uh, when you're hooping really shallow, those nets are fun. They're really a lot more work, a lot more technique um, involved in them, and, uh, you know, you have to check them a lot more often. So if I'm hooping shallow, I still like to use my flat nets. Um, if I'm doing, going deeper, though, there's nothing like those conical-style nets because, I mean, you don't even have to pull as fast as you can. You just have to pull at a consistent rate and not stop. And, uh, I mean, you know, and using those, uh, the, like the Ace Line Hauler or the Scotty Haulers um, makes it so easy to do. And, and all those, those usually pull at about 120 to 150 uh, feet a minute. So, you know, it's, a, it's not a real fast pull, but it's just a consistent pull. And that's really all you need with those conical-style nets. So deeper water, uh, longer soaks, um, short, uh, shallower water, and short, uh, shorter soaks are the way to go for the, uh, the flat nets. And then the conical, like I said, are the longer soak and the deeper water. So you can get really deep. I mean, last year, you know, there were so many guys that were hooping at Catalina in a lot of the deep spots and, and hooping, you know, 200 feet or more last year. Wow. But I don't know that we're going to have to do that until we get to maybe, you know, no, late November, December this year. I think they're going to be in shallow for a little while. Wow. Now, you know, it, it seems like, and I don't know if you have the same problem when fishing out of L.A. Harbor or Long Beach and Newport and the areas like that, but here at San Diego, you know, the seals are always a problem. Are there some tips you can give us to how to, you know, fish more uh, <laughs> conveniently and not to be as bothered by the seals as, uh, as you know, we really don't want to be? Yeah, those sea lions, you know, they, I've never seen them eat a lobster in a net, but I'm sure that having a, you know, 400-pound, 300-pound behemoth guarding over your net is not going to entice any lobsters to get inside it. So, you know, the more you can do to keep those guys out of your nets, the better. Um, lobsters prefer to eat from the bait cages because the food is more accessible. But in times when you're getting harassed by the sea lions and there's nothing else you can do, a PVC bait cage is the way to go. Promar has some uh, that they developed with a, uh, a stainless steel cable that runs through them, and it's got bait cage clips on either side, so you just put it right on your bait ring, and it really, really deters those guys and keeps them out. Um, you know, speaking of crowds, oh, wait, let me get back to one more thing with the sea lions. Also, at the end of the night, don't feed them. Don't dump out your bait cages right there where they are. All you're doing is reinforcing it one more yeah. time that this is the place to come and eat. But you know what? It's not, it hasn't just been the sea lions. There's been a lot of crowds lately these last few weeks. And it's been some really rude crowds. I mean, at one of the launches, local launches last night, the guy, kayakers were launching, and there was one guy who was pumping his Avon, and he had all five of his nets set on the dock. And, you know, you literally had to step over all his stuff. So I think people just need to be a little more considerate. And then in, the, in that note, um, there's been a lot of trash on the sites, uh, the launch sites that I've seen lately, a lot of zip ties. 
Guys just cutting the zip ties off and just leaving them right there. I, I don't know what they think that somebody's going to come and pick up after them, which is what I do, but they're not going to deteriorate. They're not going to, you know, erode. I mean, they're, they're plastic. So guys need to be a little more aware of their trash when they're, especially with the zip ties. Right. Now, Jim, I know Promar has uh, a variety of products. Uh, you're well distributed, not only in uh, L.A. and Orange County, but down here in San Diego. We have the Nets here in San Diego. Good selling product, uh, uh, a product that, especially for the beginner, with everything that you supply, that if you want to increase your chances of, of getting yourself a great lobster dinner, you've got everything that they need. But uh, people may not know about all the products that they have and everything like that. When it comes to Promar, is there a place that they can go to and, and see the products that Promar has that can help them catch more and better lobsters? Yeah, go to our Promar, uh, promarnets.com website. And uh, look on there, and also go to uh, our Facebook page, uh, Promar Nets and Ahi. Um, you'll see uh, a lot of instructional stuff. That uh, we have a new guy named Craig Spencer and Steve uh, Orpiza who are working with us now, and they're really media savvy. So these guys are putting a lot more information in there. We also have a weekly contest that we do uh, for a photo contest. So just send us a couple pictures, and you could end up winning uh, a T-shirt or a hoodie or something neat. You know, uh, Jim, I gotta, I've got to have to cut you back because of the fact I've gone way over time tonight. And I'm sorry to make this short because there's so many other questions I need to ask you. Is there any way I can invite you to come on back and we can get you on and get some more information and reaffirm to a lot of people, too, that you do other things besides lobster fish? Yes, I'm also on the CCA and the State Board of Directors, and I've been doing the uh, kayak fishing tournaments for them as their tournament director. So, But the one thing that I do want to mention is the new Go ID regulation, if I can, really quickly. quickly we have Jim. a new regulation that the Department of Fish and Wildlife wants us to put our Go ID numbers on your marker float. And it just needs to be legibly written. That's all it has to be. All right. Jim Salazar from Pomer. Jim, thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. We'll uh, be with you again to talk more about uh, recreational hooping as we get deeper into the season. Thanks a lot for taking some time to be with us. Thank you, John. It's always great talking to you, and it was really nice having the whole show with just you this time. Okay. Hey, hey and ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. Stan and Wendy will be back next week. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Jorge and the AM540 Studios. Ben Harvey, not only for helping me put the show together tonight, but helping Captain Ron stand windy while I was gone. But you, the listeners, thanks a lot for staying tuned with us. We'll be back next Sunday night on AM 540, starting at 5 or 5 p.m. And so till then, go out and get them. They're getting away. We'll see you on the water, everybody. We're out for now. I can't find you. Every time I go out to your place, you gone fishing. How you know? But there's a sign.